our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's good to be with you today. I, I kind of played hooky from church last week, and uh, I went to Rogersville instead with, uh, to spend some time with the brothers there. Hi, Rue. And uh, a few... <laughs> I realized this on this trip that I've been going to that monastery for about 15 years. And uh, the brothers that I've seen over those years, well, they're not looking any younger. <laughs> and uh, as I was reflecting on this, I just had this prayer that they would be encouraged because they have been such an encouragement to me over the past years. The last time I was there, I was feeling really cynical, really cranky. And I showed up there and I was like, I don't even know if I should be here. And I went to evening prayer and I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking they're just going through the motions, they don't care. <laughs> and then after the evening prayer service was over, I was astounded. They turned out the lights. They all went to different spots to sit in the chapel and they just prayed in silence. And I was so blessed and encouraged by their example. Now, if you go to Rogersville to visit the monks there, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to do it. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But you might get a bit of culture shock. I know I did. I thought that monks didn't wear robes unless it was in the movies. Well, these guys, they wear robes, right? And sometimes they wear special robes, and I don't know why, but they have sleeves that would touch the floor if they were wearing them like this. They've got to keep them all bound up. And I'm just, okay, I've never worked up the courage to say, what's the deal with those robes? But <laughs> the other ones, they make sense to me. Uh, but they also, if you go into their chapel, all of us normal folk, we sit at the back of the chapel, but the monks, they all have these separate seats up front. And they, they, they look like sleighs, you know, like, a, like Santa's sleigh with a seat and they got all their books here and they're all these special spots. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And then I realized they, they pray like five or six offices a day, so they need all these different books and it's all crazy. And if you look at this passage and you think, if Jesus is talking about robes and places of honor, well, these guys are in trouble. And when I wear my robes, well, then I'm in trouble. But that's not what this passage is about. That's not what Jesus is actually talking about here in Mark chapter 12. Hi, Rue. <laughs> um, and so what's happening on this day? I think it's very, it's very nice that this passage is on a day where we both we were, were remembering the soldiers that made the ultimate sacrifice or, or gave of themselves to protect this country and teach us what love is. It's also a day where we remember our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted for their faith. Because when we look at this passage and we say, if this is just surface-level teaching, then it's kind of con concerning. But Jesus never looks at the surface. He looks at the heart. And that's what this has to do with today. So let's take a, a closer look. This isn't distracting at all. All right, so Jesus says, watch out for those lawyers. Look out for them. 
So why do we have to look out for them? Well, the first thing is they like to look the part. I'm a lawyer. I'm an expert. Look to me. I'm an example to you. That's what it's about. Right? And for the longest time, our, our society used to do that, right? You look at a reporter. A reporter has to look at different, um, adhere to different values and, and I'm just going to wait here. Different standards of ethics when reporting. And over the years, people have called into question, are reporters really ethical? And now you have really dangerous times where you could be a, 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 an expert in whatever field and people don't trust you any more than they would trust some Joe Schmo who, who doesn't have any idea but just has an opinion. Their opinion is as valued as the expert. And it's, it's really concerning. Because that's, that's the kind of world we're living in right now. The other thing, so, you know, they look, they wanted to wear these robes and look the part. The other part that Jesus warns us about is that they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. They love that. I love that. Don't you? I bumped into you guys at Sobeys this week. That was great. Right? You get to have a little chat and, and just talk. It's fantastic. But they love to be not just greeted, but to be called rabbi and to, you know, be referred to with like awe and wonder. They love that. Jesus warns us about not being principled, but going for popularity. And then they love to have the best seats in the house. They love to be there because they earned it because of their, their, their status in the community. So if we are to be warned against about appearances and about popularity and about uh, this sense of entitlement, which is also a major problem in our community right now, how are we to counteract that? Because Jesus says that these guys look like they're the ones you're supposed to look to, but their hearts are so messed up and so far from me. They devour widows' houses. And they do it in the name of piety, in the name of faith. And they're just concerned with themselves. What are we to do? Um, the first thing is to remember, I think, where they say, look, I have arrived. The attitude of a follower of Jesus is this. I am a sinner. And I need the grace and mercy of God. We're all sinners, and we all need the grace and mercy of God. We don't have to have any, any belief that we have got it all together. In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus has it all together so that I don't have to. The other thing is, is that if we are swayed by public opinion in order to be loved by people all the time, we are in trouble. But we are actually called to please one person, and that is our Lord and King. We have a purpose which is to reflect the character of Christ to the world around us. And sometimes that means we're not going to be very popular. We need to be okay with that. In order to counteract this sense of entitlement that seems to be springing up everywhere, we need to adopt a, an attitude of gratitude. We, are, we should be so thankful for everything that God has been giving us, everything that we have. That's that counteracts that sense of, well, that's not good enough for me. I deserve more than that. When we start thinking, well, I, oh, I deserve this, I worked hard for this, we've got to remember who gave you the skills, who gave you the capacity, who gave you the job. God provided for you. 
Let's be thankful for all things. So Jesus is looking not at robes or positions or greetings. He's looking at the heart. Because from the world's perspective, these lawyers had it all together and they were people we should revere. But Jesus said, actually, the ones that we are to revere are the ones who actually model a life of humility and service. Do you remember um, years and years ago, I think when you were building this, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when, I, when you were getting ready to build this building, I was in Grand Bay Westfield and we were getting ready to build another building, uh, which became the Church of the Resurrection. And we had this Wesleyan uh, guy come in who was helping with our capital campaign. I think you had the same guy, right? And one of the things this guy said, just to refresh your memory, is he said, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Right. And and I was really uncomfortable with this because I never thought anyone should know what anybody else gave. I was really uncomfortable. And he said, I don't want to know what you tithe but I think that if you have a story of sacrifice, sacrificial giving, you need to share it to inspire other people. And I remember, you know, two stories from my church in Grand Bay Westfield, which inspired me. We were to give until it hurt. And one person said, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything extra, except I was supposed to retire this year. In order to give more to the project, I'm going to put off my retirement for two years so that I could give to this building project. That's how much she believed in it. And another guy, he stood up and said, I don't have anything. I'm a a pensioner. However, I do have this antique car. And he sold his antique car, and the proceeds from that went to the building project. And it was really moving because... They weren't doing it with, well, look at me. They were doing it to say, this is how much I want to do this because I think it's what God's calling us to do. And they did it with joy. Jesus sat down in the temple opposite to where they gave their money. And, and what they had there was this big metal funnel. And you'd basically, you'd take your little chest of coins or your, your bag of coins and you would dump them in this metal funnel and it would put it right down into the treasury where it would be safe. Now one of the side effects of having this metal funnel was that it made a great big noise when you dump coins in it. So you'd come into church. I think that maybe we should get a big metal bowl at the back. I don't know. Uh, Paper doesn't really work. But uh, they would come in and they'd dump their coins in it and make this beautiful big noise and everyone would look and go, oh, What a wonderful man, what a wonderful woman giving that much money to God's house. Isn't that fantastic? Everyone was praising them and saying, oh, you're so great. And then this little widow comes and what she puts in that funnel wouldn't make a noise at all. And no one noticed. But Jesus said, wow, look at what this woman just did. Isn't this amazing? She gave of her heart. She had nothing else. Now, we could look at the surface level of this passage and we could say, we are to give and give and give until we are impoverished. Have a great week. God bless you. Right? That's not, that's not what the point of this passage is. One of the dangerous teachings of tithing 
is that we give 10% back to God, but the other 90%, that's mine. That's a dangerous teaching. Because the reality is, everything we possess is a gift from the Lord. And it's given to us on loan. And it's not about the amount we're giving back. It's about the heart we have. Where is our heart? Where is it? Another question we can ask, you know, when we look at this woman, we can say, hey, she's been taken advantage of. It's amazing that Jesus said those lawyers consume widows' houses and then they make big fancy prayers. They do it in the name of their faith. And here's this woman who may have been affected so unjustly. And what is she doing? She's worshiping the Lord. If we're not careful, we can slip into the mindset that when things are going well and easy and good, God is blessing us and life is good. We're close to God. His favor rests on us. And then when things start to go bad, when we stumble when we're sick, when we're discouraged, when we are so sick and tired of this pandemic and we're struggling with that, we think, well, maybe God doesn't care. That's when we need to look at passages like this because the circumstance doesn't matter. Where is our heart? Where is our heart? On Friday, we had a power outage in this place. It was the weirdest power outage I've ever seen in my entire life. The offices were working completely fine. The alarms in this section of the building were just going off and, and the, there were some lights flickering and, and, and I said, uh, you know, we, we got the alarms turned off and we found out it was affecting the whole area. And I went in to Josh and I said, Josh, we have a global pandemic. Then everybody goes on strike and the kids are home from school. And now the coffee maker's not working. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just so you know, Colin is a fan of the strike. <laughs> but then I came in here to this part of the building, and do you know what I learned? The outlets were still working. The coffee maker was working. Yay! Right? Everything seemed to be total chaos and nastiness. But the truth was, we weren't utterly bereft. There was coffee. If you are feeling so discouraged right now and worn down and, and you think, where is God in all of this? There's good news. God's favor rests on those who cling to him. The danger is when we think we've got it all together, we are completely self-reliant and we are entitled to every good thing in our life, that danger is that God is far from us because our hearts are far from him. So the message of hope today for us is that God is near the brokenhearted. Jesus saw that offering of that woman, that tiny insignificant thing, and it was bigger than everybody else's. That's how much it mattered when we cling to Jesus and trust in Jesus, it's that kind of offering that makes the difference. Now, I can't go ahead and take a reading week and not share something with you that I learned from my reading week. Can I do that real quick? Thank you. 
Um, I've been reading a book called Deep Peace by Todd Hunter, who is a, uh, an uh, Anglican uh, bishop in California. He wrote a book a few years back called The Accidental Anglican, because he used to head up the vineyard in the States. Then he became an Anglican, silly man. And in light of the pandemic and everything that's going on in the States and around the world, he's really started looking at peace seriously because we are called to be peacemakers, right? We can't be peacemakers if we're not peace-filled. So he said that one of the things that he's been doing that's really working for him is that he takes three different prayers every day. He begins his day with prayers of dedication, So he'll say, Lord, this is your day. I want you to reign in it. I want to serve you. And this is the time of the day where he reads his Bible and he just takes time to really commit the day up to the Lord. And then going through the day, he prays prayers of presence. And one of those prayers that really stood out to me was this. Jesus, I am safe in your kingdom. Jesus, I am safe in your kingdom. Now, when I'm feeling stressed out, when there's too many things going on or there's all this other stuff happening and people saying stuff and I start getting worked up, Jesus, I am safe in your kingdom. And it all calms down because Jesus comes near. So he starts the day with dedication. He prays prayers of presence throughout the day. And at the end of the day, he prays the exam or he reflects on the day to say what can he praise God for, where did he see God at work in his life, and where were those places in his life where he fell short of God's will for him that he needs to turn from in order to turn to God. That's how he ends the day. I'm, I'm starting to do that. And it's uh, the prayer of presence especially is something new for me. Uh, so I want to just to share that with you. There, I'm done. Where is our heart? Don't look at the externals. Look at the heart. And let God minister to you in your need. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your invitation is for everyone who is weak and heavy laden and tired and fed up. (laughs) Your invitation is for those who truly need you. So Lord, in our need, Come, reign in us, heal us, fill us with your peace, that we may embody that peace in a world that so desperately needs it. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. We ask that you would uh, carry on blessing us and sustaining us to your glory, Jesus. Amen.